All right, everybody, welcome to the 296th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Say, chilling live and direct in Medford, Oregon. Just got done with the car ride from hell. Normally, Portland to uh, Medford is four hours long. Took me 10 hours because my car broke down a few times. So I'm here. Whoever put that aftermarket windshield on my car before I purchased it, you're an asshole. It dripped, rain dripped in from the second I owned it to the second I replaced it. So big F you to that person in particular cost me a bunch of money I did not have. So yes, I'm very excited to talk basketball instead of talking about mechanical failures of my electrical system because of rainwater. I feel you on the car trouble. I was in a car accident and I've spent the last month and a half trying to go through the process of getting the settlement and then getting a lien off my title uh, and then going back to the DMV. And now I need a reconstructed title because I want to keep the car and then changing my insurance coverage. And I'm just like, this is too much. Like what, what, what are we doing as a society? Like we're, we're just wasting our time doing it, it should have been just so much. There needs to be a more streamlined process, but it, it is what it is. And hopefully it's almost over. Um, and we're getting ever so close to the draft lottery, finding out where Portland's actual position will be in the June draft. And we are going to discuss uh, what I think we both are really um, intrigued by uh, in uh, Usman uh, Zhang. And Usman is a, a Frenchman who plays for uh, the New Zealand Breakers of the NBL. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, uh, I believe uh, LaMelo Ball uh, played played for them as well. Um, he is a small forward, uh, about 6'9", with a 7'1 wingspan, 185 pounds, uh, 18 years of age, but will be 19 by the time the draft rolls around, so a very young prospect. Um, currently, he is number 14 on the Ringers big board. And for some season stats, going to give a, a little bit of a disclaimer. They're not going to blow you away. Uh, he had a meteoric rise up the draft boards, kind of similar to that of our last uh, Future Friday participant that we discussed in Malachi Branham. Really slow start to the season, started to click, and then you started to see uh, what everyone was talking about. Uh, but for the sake of the podcast, here are the season stats for, for Usman Jang. Uh, 8.9 points, 3.1 boards, uh, an assist per game, 0.6 steals, 0.3 blocks, shot about 40% from the field, 27 from three, 67 from the line in just over 20 minutes per game, played 23 games for the New Zealand Breakers. But I don't think the stats tell the true story uh, when it comes to Usman Jang. Um, I was really blown away, Sage, um, when I watched him play. Have you ever, in your years of scouting or just looking at a player, just kind of like watched a half of basketball and kind of just like dusted your hands together and said, yep, I've seen enough. I really like what this kid has to offer. And like, let's let's give him a promise right now. So no other teams find out about him. So he can't go any higher in the draft because I, I saw half of the game and I was like, yeah, like top 10 easy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, 
there are certain archetypes of players where you just get what they are relatively quick. And then there's somewhere, you know, you need a few games to do, but with him, he's so specialized that, and so skillful that you kind of see, Oh, you're watching the playoffs. And then you see what, you know, Brandon Ingram or any of these wings in, in the NBA can do. And it's like, Boy, Usman can do that as well. And I don't think anyone outside Apollo can do what those wings are doing in this draft class. That automatically makes them specialized compared to every other wing in this wing-heavy draft. Yeah, I would say uh, the first thing I want to look at when I'm looking at a a high-end prospect, like not every prospect is going to have a flash of brilliance. They just are who they are, and that can be a consistent rotational player. But if you're talking about a player who you think could be in the top five or top 10 of this draft, when it's all said and done, you want to see flashes of brilliance and you want to see multiple uh, versions of that. And, and I saw that right off the, the jump, uh, both offensively and defensively. Um, we watched a game against Southeast Melbourne. Uh, the breakers lost that game, but Zhang was easily the best player on the floor. Um, so a couple of instances that really blew me away. On the defensive end of the floor in the first half, he had an insanely quick reaction on the help side defense uh, to block a shot at the rim. Mm -hmm. And on offense, he got the ball in in kind of like the coffin corner, so to speak. There was nowhere for him to go, kind of probed around the defense, dribbled under the basket, sized up his man into a, a, a dribble step back three and just made it look effortless. And then you look... Also in in that first half when he was really controlling the game, like he doesn't start for the breakers. So he comes off the bench for them. And when he came in, they made their run and he was initiating the offense. So he had two plays where he was running high pick and roll. He had one no look dime uh, Mm -hmm. to his big man for a dunk. And then he had um, another assist while, while navigating that that second quarter get pass that he did as well. You're looking at three facets of the game, defense, offense, and playmaking. Like he's able to score the ball. He's able to play make for others. And he's able to defend at a high level, like checking every single box while being that prototypical NBA size where that's where the game's going. I mean, you, we just saw Jokic won his second MVP. Giannis had won two MVPs prior. Like the, the bigs are back in today's NBA. Really, they never left, but now they're coming back uh, in a big fashion. And you need players who are going to be able to match up both on both sides of the ball. Like Portland really hasn't been a strong two-way team since those 2000 Blazers, it's really just been been all, all gas, but they haven't been able to stop anybody. You need players like, like Jang to start to build around. And um, I just thought there was every, almost every play. I was just like kind of gasping. I was like this, this, the kid's only 18 years old and he's playing professionally. Um, you, you absolutely loved what, what you saw from him. Look what Miami did to Trey young and the Hawks the size of those wings neutralized trade to being like a 17 point per game score when in the regular season and in other playoffs, he was like a 30 point score wings and height. You don't need your wings to be amazing defenders. You need them to be able to play in a scheme. 
And then that scheme will stop those Trey Youngs, those Damian Lillards, those smaller guards. I think, I mean, the playmaking is great, and it, it, it really diversifies him from every single player that's in this class that's his size. And he's shown the ability to run run that playmaker role, but then you see him play off Peyton Silva for catch-and-shoot corner shots. So it's not like whoever drafts him immediately has to make him the focal point of the offense and make him run nothing but pick-and-roll reps. He's he's a good enough shooter and a smart enough player to be an off-ball scorer for Damian Lillard or for an Anthony Simons. So it's not like it's just, yeah, he dribbles well and needs the ball in his hands. He's he's smart enough and good enough to get those off-ball reps and be – I mean, the skill set's going to pop off regardless – but being able to be on the floor at all times because he is a good defender. The real main issue with him right now is that he's very, very skinny. So if if the NBA programming and the 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 body development teams of whatever team he gets drafted to can put on safe muscle, I think a lot of the weaknesses in his game that like he doesn't go to the rim, he doesn't draw fouls because he's weak, or that he come, gets bullied defensively because he's weak. If a legitimate staff can make that, like if they can turn him into Brandon Ingram, then all of the weaknesses that he has in his game based on strength go out the window because I feel like his body can put on put on that weight safely. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think he's like scary skinny, like you're really worried like Chet. I think Chet, I think is like you're really concerned that he's not gonna be able to put on weight. Like he only weighs, I think, like 10 pounds less than Chet, and he's you know three or four inches shorter. Um the strength, like I put areas of improvement, like strength and to finish at the rim, and that comes with with strength. Like he yeah. he, he he can get to the rim, but unless it's a floater or he can do a pump fake, he he's doesn't know what to do right now, but that's nothing to be worried about as an 18 year old prospect. Uh, just, I'm a big fan of growth. I'm a big fan of it. What, what I saw from uh, Malachi Branham, what, what I saw from year one to year two, when it, in terms of uh, Jaden Ivy, a Benedict Mather and Johnny Davis, I like seeing players that get better. It means there's more room for them to grow. What you see now in today isn't the finished product when, when you draft that player, there, there's still a ceiling to be reached. Um, and there are intangibles that Usman has that I think separate him from a lot of prospects in this draft and are, are really key indicators for a player that can reach their ceiling. One of them, the, the, the basketball intelligence is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays at such a smart pace that he doesn't get sped up with the ball. He's leading fast breaks. He's got fantastic grab and go potential. And you're not concerned that he's going to you know, dribble off his knee or uh, draw an offensive foul. Like he, he is in control of the game. He also, I was watching that game against Melbourne and he is on fire. Like he hasn't missed a shot. I think he went seven for seven in that first half. Yet when he got the ball, he wasn't just looking to score for himself every time he was making the, the hockey assist or just the right pass into the middle of the zone. Um, decided to initiate offense or decided to call his own number. Like players who have just a control over the game, you can't teach that. Like that's something that that can't be taught. You you can bulk up, you can work on your shot to to an extent. 
you can't teach feel for the game. He has fantastic feel for the game. And I think you're right. He doesn't, he can be a primary playmaker. He can be a secondary playmaker. He can play off ball, like looking at his shot, his mechanics from early in the season to now uh, it it looks night and day. Like the the numbers again, 27% from three, but I did not see a 27% shooter when I watched him on tape later on in the year, because he's shooting with much more confidence and uh, a much more purpose. And, and that comes with repetition. That comes with rhythm. That comes with, you know, just getting comfortable uh, in your own skin, in your own game. Uh, so I, I have no uh, doubts that he can play anywhere on any team. Like I, we kind of talked about this with Jabari Smith. Like he's the type of player you can fit him in in any system. He, he's going to thrive because he's so versatile on both ends of, of the floor. Um, I, I, I love his defensive potential. He moves his body really well laterally and his length, his length gives him the ability that if a quicker point guard, maybe a a De'Aaron Fox or a Jaden Ivy, if they're able to get by him, he's got that length that he can close a lot of gap, a lot of distance and, and erase that shot off, off the backboard. And I noticed that while defending, he does a good job of not fouling. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's also really key for, for big defenders. Um, One other thing I want to touch on is I am so like enamored with just how he stays engaged, even off ball. Like there, there are areas for improvement, obviously, but for an 18 year old player playing overseas professionally, like he's engaged, he's talking to his, his man, he's communicating. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my man. No, I'm going to drop him off, pass him off to you. Like you can see there is a willing and engaged defender and that's half the battle right there to, to become an elite defender. So um, I hadn't watched him until we, we did the scouting and I, I see what all the hype is about. Like he was in the thirties uh, probably preseason and now he's, you know, he's up to 14 on the ringer. I think he's going to, I think by the time the draft rolls around in June, it would be a major uh, upset if, if he doesn't go in the top 10. Like I, I just, I think once teams get him into their, their pro days and then the draft workouts, they're going to be like, it's going to be a situation where he's going to get promise after promise after promise. So he doesn't work out anymore. Like I think he's arguably the the fastest riser in in this draft class. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, the skills that just just going to jump off the, off the screen at any evaluator for, for a team, you you just see all of the things that he can do as an offensive and defensive player. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, he 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 rose up my board very very fast with his performance and then i wanted to see more and dude is in this draft man like last year was an all-timer right like you you see so many good quality players and you look at what they are and it's like they're taller than their position group and they still have guard skills look at evan mobley look at kate cunningham look at franz wagner I mean, Scotty B. Exactly. It's rookie of the year, Scotty B. So you look at what's producing, and then you look at this draft, and then it, for me, the people that do that are Paulo Dang. So Usman. Usman. Sorry. Sorry. Usman. So you look at, like, there aren't that many archetypes of playmaker that's six, eight in this draft. The playmakers outside of Dang and 
Banchero, six foot. And you're looking at, you know, Jalen Brunson's struggle to stay on the floor defensively against in the playoffs. So really the only playmakers that could play in playoffs is Paulo and Dang. So it's if you're looking to the future of playing in playoff basketball and you you're looking for an initiator, it's one of those two. So there's only two real tall uh, initiators. Of course, you can say Ivy is, but he's not at the level of Dang as a passer yet. Where's he at in your big board? So my big four is pretty uh, static with uh, Jabari, Chet, Paulo, and uh, Ivy. But Dang is five for me. He he beats Shaden Sharp because of the 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 size and the skill level now, and you can just project him to be, I I think a little bit more special than Shaden. So right now, he he's five for me. Yeah, he's five on my board as well. He really rose um, up the top of the list. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm hoping he'll be available when when Portland picks if they don't move up in the draft. But I'm pretty solid. Like even if Portland falls a spot, I, I think they need to keep this pick at all costs. I really like the the top seven prospects that that I have. I've got uh, at the moment Jabari, uh, Jaden Ivy, Chet Holmgren, uh, Shaden Sharp. Uh, I, I believe in, in that hype. Just the the growth that he's able to make. Uh, I, I have Uzman Jang at, at number five, um, Benedict Matherin at six, and then Bancaro at seven. So if you're able to get a top seven pick, I think you're going to be very happy with where you're at in, in this draft. And so I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, you could target the Hornets or the Spurs and trade down. Nah. There's no more getting um, like the more I have let the time because we've we've been doing this since January. The more I've really crafted the big board and, and spoken with you and, and just watched a lot of tape. There's, uh, I think, a pretty good like gap between that yes. seven and then the rest. Like that's where the tiers are starting to break apart for me. Portland needs as much elite top level talent as possible. Yes, they need multiple players, but if you could guarantee that 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 Usman Jang w- would be there at 13, sure, make that trade with Charlotte. But I I think projecting no. now May 9th, 2022, there's no way he's going to be available at 13. Like, don't don't try to do what you did in 2005 when you said, oh, we, we moved up to the third spot in the draft. Well, we really could use a shooting guard. So let's, let's trade back. Let's get Martel Webster and another draft pick. Like you basically traded in, you know, two nickels for a dime. You'd rather have that Darren Williams, Chris Paul looking back, obviously, like take the top end talent, even in trades. When more times than not, I would say like even even as high as eight or nine times out of 10, the team acquiring the best player in the trade wins that trade. You want to get the best. Take quantity over, or take quality, excuse me, over quantity. And I think Portland needs to be really smart and that they need not overthink this. Even if you drop down, stay in that top seven, pick a difference maker and move forward. Don't, 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 don't junk this up here. I feel like people say that this draft is either deep in wing talent or there's a huge drop off after you get to your top eight, huge drop off 10 through 22. And then 
22 through 40 is kind of the same. If there's a chance for you to get into the top seven or eight talented players, the drop between Dang and Johnny Davis is pretty humongous. And and I've been thinking about this a lot recently. There's an old adage that small market teams need to go for that nuclear talent like Giannis or in this case, Dang. But honestly, how many teams in this version of the NBA can rely on team building through just free agency, Brooklyn and Los Angeles, but Los Angeles sucks. So like every team, Chicago should look for this nuclear talent. It can't just be us looking for it. If everybody's looking for the Usman Dangs or the Shaden Sharps of the world. So the, if we're in position to take it, we have to take it. Cause if, if, if we go with Keegan Murray, who, we both agree it is going to be an NBA player and somebody else gets shaded sharp or dang, we lost this draft, even though we got the guy that, you know, some pre people want, we have to go for that nuclear talent. And if it fails, it fails, but if it doesn't and it succeeds, it changes our franchise for a while. Like right now, I don't believe that we can win a championship with the team that we have, but if we can find that nuclear talent, like a, a dang or a shade and sharp, it changes from 0% to 5% or something like that. And that change is huge. Like there's no way we can win now, but if we got dang and then we build sustainably and well around him, we have a chance. So. And I also think you're looking at a two-way talent as well. I, I think as great as Damian Lillard is, and he is more than worth that top 75, uh, all-time ranking that he was um, awarded earlier this season. Dame's a one-way player, and you have to go – you have to take extra steps to build around one-way players. Mm -hmm. The Warriors were able to do that, but they had a generational defender in in Draymond Green and a generational tall shooter who also defended in Klay Thompson. So they were able to do that with Steph Curry. Like, Steph would not be Steph without Klay and Dre and all of the supporting cast. So – when you're thinking of generational two-way players, you you look at the Giannis's of, of the world. Like you need those players that you can count on on both ends of the floor. It just makes team building and roster construction uh, so, so much easier. Uh, we've talked a lot about Usman. Do you have any NBA comps for him, Sage? I see a ton. So when I first saw Brandon Ingram, you know, he was a skinny guy who avoided contact. <clears throat> but as he's developed into his body, it unlocked everything about Brandon Ingram. I kind of think that Dang is going to be just like that. Once he unlocks the strength factor, a lot of those weaknesses with his frame and strength go away. So I think the the, the top end talent for Dang would be Brandon Ingram. And just think about all, all the people that we talked about. I feel like Dang has the best chance out of like the people that aren't the top four to absolutely hit his his uh, his ceiling. And a lot of players do not have the ceiling of Brandon Ingram. So he he has to rise up the board just because of his potential and the high, the high probability chance that he becomes that high end potential. So I, I I really want them to be efficient with his body. And once he's 
okay with taking on the punishment of driving in the lane and getting fouled, I think it unlocked everything about his game. Yeah, I, I see um, a lot of Nicholas Batum in his game as well. Uh, both both French, both that that six nine, uh, both that ball handler can hit the jump shot. Like Batum's problem was was inconsistency, and if you get consistent Nick Batum, that is that's a multi all-star. Like he, he had everything you wanted. He could really guard one through five. Um, he was a linchpin of, of those blazer teams when, when he was locked in. So I, I see a ton of Batum in his game. I think his ceiling is clearly higher than Nick. It was really hard to even think of a player who could be the, the ceiling because I was like, you don't see many six ten playmakers um, who can also play off the ball who can also like they're, they're willing to play both, both ends of floor. Like Ben Simmons is a playmaker who plays defense, but he can't be counted on to be a willing scorer on offense. Um, I think uh, Zhang's ceiling on defense is higher than what will Ingram gives you. So I think you're almost looking at like, I'm not going to say Giannis, but in terms of like, when people say I want the next X, Y, Z player, like the ceiling could be like, I want the next Usman Zhang. Like he could be that next player. So I don't, I don't even want to, pigeonholed him into a, a player comp because I think his ceiling really could be that that high if, if he does hit it. But I think regardless, if you're, you're looking at consistent Nick Batum, I think with, with Zhang and I think any team that gets him, you're going to look back 10 years in the redraft and maybe see like, why, why didn't he go higher? Do you have any issues with him being like, forget the, the ceiling, but do you have any issues with him being like an average rotation player? Like, you are mean? you worried he won't hit that? So, like, his floor? Yeah. Um, I'm, I honestly am not worried about his floor. And my one indicator with that is the growth. Mm. Like, I love players that have made tangible, like, you can look at with your eyes where they were to start the season to where they were to, to end the season. You're like, Okay, there's more to come by. Now, clearly, you can't project injuries or any of the such, but just strictly from a basketball perspective, I would be surprised if he's not at least that 75 comp. Like, I would, I would be, you know, if we look back, I would be like, Zhang busted. I would be like, how? Like, what, what went wrong? Because mm. from everything that you've read about him, he just continues to improve and he has all of the, the physical tools. So like, again, what went wrong? What was his body not able to put on the weight? Like was, did, did the shot just break down? Did he have a confidence? Like did, did the Ben Simmons situation happen with him? Or like that's something you, Fultz. yeah, that's something. Yeah. Markel, Markel Fultz. Like you can't project that. So like taking that out of the, the realm of possibilities, like, I think he, I, I'm very confident he is at least a rotational player. Yeah. I, 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 I am as well. You, like the skinniness, I don't know. I don't know many NBA players that when basketball becomes their full-time job and they have all the resources in the world to uh, develop themselves, like they they just cannot put on weight. So I'm I'm going with the school skill set. The high the high tier skill set is going to. Uh, reign supreme with him in terms of his development so yeah i i think he has some of the highest floors and the highest ceiling out of 
I mean, Chet might might pro- if if they both hit their 99th percentile, Chet probably beats them. But I can't really think of anybody else that if we're just talking ceilings, beats Usmani. So I mean, if the Blazers are there and he is on the board, I think it would be a humongous mistake to take anybody else other than him, unless unless they just love Shaden Sharp. If those two are available, I can I can get the idea that they like Shaden more. But for me, the height, the skill set, he's he, he's kind of that. Uh, he just screams trailblazers to me. Like he, he, he fits everything that we, like we need taller players. We need skilled players. We need smart players that, that that's dang. I think that, I I think that he, if he's available, he should be our pick because he has the best chance of hitting that, that, that Brandon Ingram with plus plus defense. But I, I think the team that drafts him needs to have a fucking plan. They need to have the plan available for him. If they, if they just are, if they don't have the plan, that's when I worry. But if they concentrate on what this player is and what he can become, then I think it can work out for him. But they just can't come off half cocked, ready to uh, draft him and then play him. You need to have that plan, and he needs to develop. Like he, he stayed away from contact in a very aggressive. Australian league he's going to need to put on strength before you you try and have him do what he's doing in Australia so as long as there is a plan ready and awaiting him the sky's the absolute limit so all right that was our breakdown of uh Usman Zhang we will be back either with another future Friday of Nikola Jovic or our post mock draft lottery edition because in eight days we will know exactly where the trailblazers will be selecting uh it'll be fun to actually have the order and take team needs into account we've also had additional prospects that we've been scouting so um i I know that if we had done the mock draft after scouting uh uzman our last one he definitely would have made he would have been in the top the top 14 easily Uh, so yeah, be on the lookout for those two episodes upcoming, and then we will have a couple of gems to discuss for the second round. And before you know it, it'll be draft time. So thank you for always rocking with us. If you enjoyed our content, please, uh, like, and subscribe on iTunes, give us a five-star review, um, or even a a nice comment like that, that really goes, um, a long way. Sage, you shared with me, um, a comment. I'm trying to bring it bring it up right now. Uh, it was from uh, Brendan Kellis. So thank you, Brendan. Like you sent a really wonderful comment. Uh, he's not on Twitter, but like enjoys listening to the Holy Backboard for a couple of years now. Um, so I appreciate just hearing that, even if it's just one person that that's listening. That that makes it uh, worth worth the while for me. It's fun. So again. If you have anything to say, positive or negative, uh, send it our way. Um, we always like hearing what what our listeners are are thinking. And if you have any questions leading up to the draft, who are your top prospects that, that you want to pick? Is there anybody else you think that we should should break down? Maybe um, that could be available later in the draft because those steals uh, exist as well. Um, let us know. But I think for the time being, that, that's a wrap for our future Friday on Uzman Jang. 
All right, everybody. Peace out.